listeners may find the following content disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, y'all, yens and yens. Welcome <laughs> to the Appalachian Grime Trail. That's beautiful. I'm Nikki. I'm Kirsten. Kirsten needs to wake the fuck up. I'm just a subdued person. That's what person. I was saying. I'm going to get you some more coffee. I'm just a subdued person, though. Like... Oh. Oh, that's right. You're the calm one. I'm the like, wah! Today, we want to talk about two things in our <laughs> bullshit intro that we did. <laughs> um, Welcome to Bullshit Corner. <laughs> Welcome to the shit show part two. <laughs> Let's talk about why we like true crime first. Why or, we like true crime. Yeah. How we got into Or why we're intrigued. Sorry, that sounds better. Yeah. Well, I would blame my mother. Uh, <laughs> Mom, um, listen, she still loves you. It's okay. I'm just going to tell her, Nikki whispers to you on this podcast. I'm just like, like directly to you. Yeah. Um, now, I, you know, growing up, I don't know, maybe this is a normal childhood among, I we already talked about my weird ass childhood in <laughs> yeah. episode two, I think, but unsolved mysteries because Lifetime was like a stable oh my in my house. <laughs> I think it wasn't and, every West Virginia. Yeah, house. and <laughs> we, I was like, it's totally normal for me to watch Lifetime movies where like these women get murdered or like these weird oh, abusive dude. relationships happen. Yeah. And then unsolved mysteries was on, and like I would remember. I have vivid memories because that theme song terrified me so much. I don't know why. And then it'd be like three in the morning and my mom would think, I love, I love my mom so much, but she knows that this is a thing because she will sleep on the couch at my house because I didn't have a TV in my bedroom because she needs like the TV on blaring and that's the only way she can sleep. And so growing up as a child, she would listen to Lifetime apparently and then I'd wake up at like three in the morning because my PTSD would hear that stupid Unsolved Mysteries theme song and then I would be like, it's on. But I mean, I watched that, Criminal Minds, Cold Case, all that fun stuff I would watch growing up. And I don't know, I honestly don't think I realized how ingrained that was in my life until I started listening to My Favorite Murder and realized that there are other people out there that enjoy it. And I was like, oh, so it's not just like, it's just, I'm not weird. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, this is what I choose to watch on Netflix is hours and hours of Criminal Minds or 60 Minutes or Dateline and things Mm -hmm. like that. Like just watch that growing up so much. I don't know. I think it's just, I've always found it interesting how people interact and what people choose. I don't know how their brains work, how terrible things happen to people. Like Mm -hmm. why? I've always wanted to know why. I think that's my thing is like, I want to understand. All right, your turn. Well, would have to say that my obsession slash unhealthy and not ever trans like state when it comes to true crime. (laughs) I don't know. Shit show part two. Um, it probably started when I was like 12 or 13 when I found out from my grandmother that I was held hostage <laughs> and so couldn't remember. <laughs> um, but that was just kind of like drew me in and I was like, wait, what? And then I started like researching, well not like re- researching at 13, but I just, I don't know. We would watch, we'd always watch like Forensic Files growing up mm-hmm. or Cold Case or Something like that. My grandma was obsessed with it. Um, she always she always would say, she's like, if I hadn't done this path in life, she's like, I should have went into the FBI like I wanted. I was like, okay, Agent Starling. <laughs> this is grandma. 
Sure. But she always said she wanted, she wished, wished that she had went into like the FBI to work or something. I was like, damn, damn, what the hell? Okay. Um, but I just think it's neat. I've always found it fascinating. We always watched that stuff growing up. And Unsolved Mysteries, yes, was one that was in our household, too. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I kind of liked watching Unsolved Mysteries for, like, the creepy, like, extraterrestrial and Those were the weirdest episodes. I loved them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, I'm obsessed with, like, I don't believe in ghosts. Like, I do not at all. Like, it would have to slap me in the face and be like, bitch, here I am. <laughs> For me to believe it. But I love watching, like, these, like, ghost shows that are on, like, TV. Like, I watch Ghost Adventures mm-hmm. on Travel Channel. Just because it's so fucking hilarious. Because they're like, oh my god, did you hear that creak? Oh my god, listen back on the tape. It's a weird, whispery-sounding thing. And I swear it says... Hell no. Or something. I talked about BuzzFeed Unsolved. Did we talk about Yes, that? because I'm yeah. obsessed with BuzzFeed yeah. Unsolved. Yeah, like that's what I feel like when, you know. Because I am Shane. You're Shane. I'm yeah, I, Ryan. I am so Shane. I'm like, okay, Bugara. come get me, Goosty Goalies. <laughs> so my true crime love probably started through Unsolved Mysteries and Cold Case and Forensic Files and it just blossomed and grew and. Here we are today. I just love, like, I like being able to, f- I'm another, I love the why. Why did this happen? Or why did that happen? Or why, what was this person's motive? Or will we ever find a motive? I just, I like research and that kind of digs into the whole research aspect of trying to figure out the why. My topic that I wanted to talk about (laughs) is what would your dream sponsorship be? If this thing takes off which we're Which not. Would be awesome. I was gonna say this is not the the goal necessarily. No, we just but if like, it talk was, about your crime. here's what I want to sponsor us oh at some point. So I was actually talking to Chris the other day, and I was like, you know, be all, I think we were watching like a YouTube video, and somebody was sponsored by this company, and I was like, man, that's it. That's what I want. That's what I want out of this podcast is for this to sponsor me, and it was HelloFresh. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want in life. Is for one of these meal meal delivery service places to fucking send me boxes of food that I can cook. I want to be able to cook it, granted. But then that way I ain't got to go to the grocery store and pick out what the fuck we're eating for dinner. Because I'm telling you what, it is a nightly struggle in this house of, what do you want to eat? I don't know, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? Just fucking pick something already, Chris. Come on. <laughs> Even if you have the ingredients, I know, like, I just went shopping and I have all this stuff in my fridge and then I'm like, now I gotta put it together. See, like, I like cooking. I'm like, I love cooking, I'm yeah. so old that I'm, like, getting to the point where I'm like, I like to cook, but I hate trying to figure out what to cook. Yeah. And I'm getting tired of mashed potatoes and mac and cheese almost every other night. You should hit up interest because I I do, but I it's get... like pulling a leg to try to get him to eat something that's not starch-based. So... I love you, Christopher, if you listen to this. I doubt you will. He's currently sitting in the living room. Hopefully he can't hear me right now. My goal is for one of those meal delivery places to, like, sponsor us and be like, boyfriend, hello, fresh. Be like, cool, yeah, give us some money. I don't care, but give me, like, the actual free food. You just want the food. food. I just want the fucking food. (laughs) Whatever it is, just please sponsor us for the food, please. Yeah, we don't care about anything else. And Casper Mattress. Casper Mattress. My God. If those mattresses are on that freaking great. Come on. I need a new mattress. Mine's killing my back. I was just (laughs) thinking about that today. Because, like, I... So, most of the furniture 
in my house I did not pay for because I have befriended... Do you have a sad sponsorship I don't know about? No. I befriend, I befriend old people, basically. Smart. And they just give Smart. me... Smart. I was thinking about this today. You know, I've lived here in this area almost two years. It'll be mm-hmm. two years like next week or something or this week and I you know oh, found such to me. I, well I found such an amazing community of people that are like a second family to me and are just kind of like a family in general when my family lives so far away but they like all give me stuff all the time like they feed like, me or they give me furniture I got my bed from um this was not an old person so it was moving <laughs> I was thinking I was laying on my mattress this morning and I was like how old is this mattress when should I get a new mattress that's an adult thing to think about <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. I want. I just want a mattress that like. Well, you're supposed to like replace your pillows like every six months or something. I got the fucking kind of money for that shit. I'm pretty sure my mom still has pillows that we had when I was like. I'm in, pretty sure one of these might be from when I was little. Yeah. I'm not sure. I did try. I think I've gotten rid of all the pillows that were old and gross, and I have replaced most of them in my house. But then they're not like. You have to like wait and like make them conform to your head and like uh, yeah. be comfy and it's annoying to sleep with like I don't yeah, like yeah. firm pillows and I, I don't like a like brand ten. new firm pillow mm-hmm. I like them once they're broke in but yeah. if they're brand new no because then I'll like sit like this far yeah. up off and I'm like oh god yeah okay so what's the your dream sponsorship oh, god. I'm trying to think of all the things that people <laughs> all the things I don't know I mean definitely food's a good thing I mean it'd have to be a food service that offered vegan and there aren't I think HelloFresh might have vegan ones I'm not sure they do I'm not sure if Blue Apron does I know HelloFresh does and there's some other ones just sponsor us please (laughs) we just want the food we just want food that's all (laughs) just send me food I'll get Um, I will gladly say your name I'm saying your name for free right now (laughs) Send me some fucking Everyone food, go please. Everyone HelloFresh. I don't know. Like, honestly, bras or furniture. Bras? Like, no, because <laughs> I say this because I've been listening to the Murder Squad. Uh-huh. They're Karen and George's company. Mm-hmm. The bra- I can't remember what bra it is or what company does True it. True & Co. probably. I think. But so they are, you know, they're on my favorite murder podcast. Mm-hmm. But I, I, there's no, anyone can wear a bra. I don't care. But it's just hilarious to hear... Paul Holes and Billy Jensen talk about bras. I'm gonna have to listen on. just for that because <laughs> they. It, I think it's just Billy does it. Just to hear um, Paul Holes on his voice like this. Yeah, but they they talk about bras as like the ad, and I I just I find it so enjoyable because I think he talks. You know, about Karen his wife and Georgia did that shit to him just to see if they blush. <laughs> I said, all right, guys, here's your sponsorship yeah. this week. Bras or furniture. Like, I buy a lot of secondhand furniture, and I do like to DIY it, but, like, it would be nice to have, like, furniture that matched eventually. Like, I'm yeah. cool with the furniture that I got Wayfair. now. Wayfair. Wayfair.com. There we go. Yeah. I just don't have the money. Even with the deals sometimes, I just don't have the money Mm-mm. with a lot of the people that I hear sponsorships for to, like, then go and purchase even mm-hmm. with the discounts. I wish I did. That's, yeah, and bras. Oh, my God. Bras are so expensive, and I... And sick and tired of, I'm sorry, and I'm not. Victoria's Secret doesn't make sizes for people mm-hmm. above like a double D. And then you go into the store, and I, the girls measure you and will say just the biggest size they have. The high size they carry, like number wise, is 38 in store. Yeah, and then I think they have triple D online and maybe mm-hmm. a 40, but that's it. And it's yeah. so frustrating because like, but like Torrid and Lane Bryant and stuff. But then I'm like, they're so expensive. Why am I paying? Seventy dollars for a bra. Mm-hmm. Like I have a friend that like preaches the the praises of Torrid's bras, but they're thirty eight bucks a piece. See, I would pay I, that. I ain't gonna buy one. 
that's about as much as the ones I was paying for at Victoria's Secret were, yeah, honestly. But that also, I will say though, it just, I think it depends too. Cause like, I don't want to buy a bra online because I want to try it on in the mm -hmm. store because they all fit different. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's like the t-shirt bras and there's bralettes and God, if yep. I could ever find a bralette that would actually support right. and I could wear. Cause like I have found recently, I love wearing sports bras. Preach. <laughs> so, I mean like just so much, like mm -hmm. I, if I could wear them all the day, every day. I don't care if I have a boob. Like, I just find them so comfortable. Because they and, are. But I can't, I, it's hard for me to find ones that mm -hmm. will support all the fat I got going on. Oh, right sure. Well, these are fat. Well, yeah, true. But still. They grew in really fast and they just have never, even when I lost. And they never went away. <laughs> I lost 40 pounds and then I've gained it all back. But I lost 40 pounds and my boobs did not never change. Changed. They were the same size. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway. And you're like, mm. yeah. So <laughs> bras or furniture or food, I think, yeah. is is a good Yo, hello option. fresh. Hello fresh. Please. 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 <laughs> Send me food. Maybe we should dive into our, our Maybe we should thing. dive into cases. Cool. Ah! Okay, great. <laughs> Our focus is on Virginia and unintentionally was in our last episode, even though it was supposed to be Appalachian Trail. <laughs> I know, right? It was still crazy. all Virginia. Because Virginia isn't for lovers. Virginia is for murders. <laughs> so, Queen of the puns right here. Right. Um, Tell me what you got. I'm not very punny. I unintentionally kind of have done two cold cases. So, uh, a lot of my information came from either Wikipedia or there was a Reddit user, which is Nancy Spungen is my hero. So, Nancy Spungen is my hero, Reddit user. Thank you so much for this information. I'm giving you credit for it. So, this is about the Route 29 corridor in Virginia. There's believed to be a stalker and or serial killer or killers at work along this corridor as there have been numerous disappearances and murders among the Route 29 corridor starting around 1996 to about 2014. Um, oh wait, so this is recent-ish. Yeah. Oh, um, she within, within our lifetimes. I'm not going to talk about the supposed like perpetrators because I don't give a shit. They did bad stuff. Um, <laughs> but I want to talk about what happened to the victims. I don't have any resources in terms of like, because this is not our cold case, in terms of like, if you know of any information, but if you do know of any information, the best thing to do would be contact your local law enforcement and or I believe the FBI. Please. Yeah, Virginia State Police are have been a part of a lot of these cases. And one of my cases is linked to the cold case that we're talking about too. Uh, um, all of mine have connections, but we'll just have to wait. <laughs> Okay. Unsolved um, mystery scene. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to talk about eight victims okay. that may or may not be part of a serial killer or killer's street or part of the Route 29 corridor supposed stalker that exists. Like, we don't know who it is. And two of the cases, last two I talk about, do have people that were arrested and are in prison for these crimes. I don't know. Sometimes our justice system like does convict wrong people. I'm yeah. not saying that they are not, they are, I mean, they obviously had enough evidence to convict them, mm -hmm. but so they may not even be linked to this and they just may be along this corridor. But now I'm like super terrified of going along this road. And then our cold case has to do with like a road too. And I'm like, 
I need to stay out of Virginia. I'm going to keep my ass up at that yes. state. So the first victim is Alicia Showalter Reynolds. She was 25, a John Hopkins University graduate student. She was married to a man named Mark, and she was last seen on March 2nd, 1996 in Baltimore, Maryland, and she was going to travel to Charlottesville, um, Virginia. A lot of these have connections to Charlottesville as well. But she was traveling to Charlottesville to spend time with her mom. And when she didn't get there, because there, I guess, was some weather issues, so they thought that might have delayed her. But when she didn't get there, they became concerned. And then they found her car abandoned later that day on Route 29 southbound near Culpeper? Culpeper. Culpeper. Yeah. There's only one P, so I didn't know. Yeah. Um, Culpeper County. So she was last seen on March 2nd. Her remains were found on May 7th, 15 miles away in Lingham, Virginia. The cause of her death was never officially released. That's Alicia Showalter Reynolds. There's a case that where remains were found in a similar location. So Anne Carolyn McDaniel, who was 20 years old, she lived in a group home and had cerebral palsy that caused her to have a diagnosed mental disability. She was known to hitchhike and had left her group home and was in Orange, Virginia, and was last seen on September 18th, 1996. On September 22nd, they found her burned remains in Culpeper oh um, County, and this was only about seven miles from where Alicia's body was found. Wow. And they did an autopsy on Anne, and they believe that she was killed around the 21st. So she disappeared on the 18th, so... September. Yeah, so I don't know if she was held hostage or if she was maybe fine and then ran into somebody bad on the 20th. oh she was killed on my birthday oh no <laughs> happy birthday um, not <laughs> she died by asphyxiation according to the autopsy yeah. so and these are both they don't know who did these gotcha the next victims are um julian williams 24 and lolly winnens who is 26 in May of 1996, they decided to go camping in the Shenandoah National Forest. They had only planned to camp for about two weeks, but then had decided that they wanted to prolong their camping excursion. So they were last seen on May 24th by the camp ranger that was helping them renew their camping permit. But no one searched for them until May 31st, so six days after they were last seen. And it was initiated by one of their dads. And then they found their bodies a day later on June 1st near the Skyline Lodge. Their wrists were bound. Their throats were slit. One of them was found 30 to 40 feet from their tent in a sleeping bag with duct tape over her mouth. One of them was in the tent with her mouth gagged and um, her ankles as well as her wrists were bound. It didn't look like there was any sexual assault. They most likely died on May 28th. From what they assumed so that would have been about four days after they were last seen mm -hmm. and this is the case that is similar to the cold case in the mo of the way that they were murdered so those are victims number three and four the next victim was samantha ann clark she was 19 she was last seen at her home in orange virginia which was the same place ann carolyn mcdaniel was last seen but this is later so this was um in 2010 so she was last seen on september 13th in 2010 but no evidence of foul play has ever been found and her body has never been found. So they're not sure what happened to her, but it is all along that Route 29 corridor. The next victim is Sage Smith. She was a trans woman last seen at an Amtrak station in Charlottesville on November 20th, 2012. She was waiting for a date at 6.30 p.m., but was never seen again after being seen at the Amtrak station. But in March of 2017, 
they changed her investigation to a homicide investigation um, so that way they could look through like phone records and bank records and things to try to help solve it. So those are the unsolved cases along the 29, um, Route 29. These are two cases that happened along 29 and there are two men currently serving time in prison for these cases, but it's still like along that route and weird and creepy and strange. strange. Yeah. So Alexis Tiara Murphy was 17. She was last seen in Levingston, Virginia. Her car was later found off US 29 in Charlottesville and her body has never been found but Randy Taylor was found guilty of first degree murder for her case. It's amazing that they're able to do like the no body mm -hmm. convictions. I wish there was some way to force the people that did it to like reveal where the body was to give family closure. That lady that in like Europe who got that law passed where is it they can't get parole if they don't oh, yeah, reveal yeah, yeah, yeah. where yeah. the remains are uh -huh. like I wish that was instituted everywhere because mm -hmm. I don't think it would it wouldn't help every case no. obviously there are going to be people who murder who are not going to reveal where all the victims remains are but I think it would help mm -hmm. a lot of them if they had which the whole idea of parole and you murdering somebody is a whole different story but like if that was an option, it would at least give the family an closure. Yeah. So how was he convicted then? Just they had enough evidence? I didn't really look him? into it. Oh, okay. um, he, there was a, like, I think it was, like, abduction and, like, some other stuff. But mm -hmm. that was what he was found guilty of. And then there were, like, a bunch of yeah. tabs. The last victim I'm going to talk about with this is um, Hannah Graham. She was 18. She was a University of Virginia student. And she was last seen on September 13th, 2014. Um, at the downtown mall and they had that in quotes and I'm not familiar with Charlottesville so I don't know if downtown mall is not a real thing and maybe it's just like a location that's so the downtown mall area I, I do know a little bit it's kind of like an outdoor typing mall. oh okay one of those type like things. an outlet mall yeah it's um well no no not like an outlet like it has like small shops and stuff like if you if you ever been to like a bigger city that has like a downtown district that's more like an outdoor small shop type thing that's what it is it's more of like an outdoor small shop Okay. downtown in Charlottesville. On September 13th, her remains are found on October 18th in Albemarle? Albemarle. What? How do you say it? Albemarle. Albemarle? Mm-hmm. Albemarle County, Virginia. Fun fact, I have a friend that, like, actually lived in that area. So I that's just, the like, only yeah. reason I know this shit. I, yes, a lot of these counties in Virginia I've never heard of. But her remains were found on October 18th, and then Jesse L. Matthew entered a plea and was sentenced to three life terms for her murder. Which, again, it's just, like, bizarre that, like, you know, some people get 15 years or 30 years for murdering mm -hmm. two people, and then three life terms Yeah, for... there's, like, no consistency it's in not... this shit. And, I mean, a lot of it is, like, a game of, like, lawyers winning cases. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that there are not... Obviously, there are lawyers that want justice and people that go in that want to mm -hmm. defend people or want to get justice for victims. But it is frustrating that our justice system a lot of the time is like a game of who you know and... What can I get? What can I get? Mm -hmm. Obviously, lawyers want to get, you know, a lower sentence for their clients. If someone commits a crime and there's evidence, mm -hmm. like, why are you not going to... 
<laughs> first uh, i have thoughts yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that off the record yes. here in a um, <laughs> yeah so those are the missing and or homicide victims along the route 29 corridor in virginia the article on reddit said that the Anne carolyn mcdaniel the um woman who had cerebral palsy that hers is still an open investigation all of these i hope are still open and people are still looking it's possible that none of these are related it's possible that all of them are related. There's a lot of September's in there though. And that's what I'm there's consistency in terms of like a time of the year and you see that a lot with some serial killers or that's some. That's what makes you wonder if like maybe it's somebody that travels through that area in that time of the year only or something and it's like yeah. Whoa. I mean it's hard. That is my Virginia murderers uh. for <laughs> this week. Yay. So great. Good job. My case is the Farmville murders. So it's actually a quadruple homicide. We start our story in September of 2009 that took place in Farmville, Virginia, and it's a bludgeoning, Mm. even worse. The victims in this are Mark Niderbrock, Deborah S. Kelly, their daughter Emma Niderbrock and a friend Melanie Wells. So it says in here Emma, the daughter, had a relationship with the killer Richard Samuel McCroskey who was a troubled aspiring rapper. A troubled aspiring white rapper. Is that a quote? Yes. (laughs) That's a quote. This is from Wikipedia kids so what do you expect? Troubled aspiring rapper. He was a troubled aspiring rapper. That could be a sticker. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Okay. So, together, Emma Natterbrock, the daughter, McCroskey, her mother and father, along with friends Wells, along with friend Wells, attended a horrorcore concert the week before. Horrorcore? Horrorcore. So, the like, hardcore concert of some... I don't know. I mean, I like some rock music, but I have no there's idea what some, the fuck horrorcore there's is. There's a lot of really interesting genres of music out there. So, when Wells' mother could not locate her daughter, that was the friend that was killed, Melanie, she alerted the police who discovered the murders. So, McCroskey, 20 years old, was subsequently arrested, convicted of murders, and sentenced to life in prison. As of April 2019, he's serving the sentence at Sussex State Prison in Waverly, Virginia. So, a little bit about the murders, unfortunately, themselves. They took place at Dr. Deborah Kelly's home, um, where she lived with her daughter, Emma Natterbrock, and the bodies were found just after 3 p.m. on September 17, 2009. Um, the victims having been bludgeoned to death with a hammer and a maul, like a splitting maul that oh, used to cut wood. Three bodies were found in the downstairs bedroom and one in the upstairs. Days before the killings, Emma Natterbrock and Melanie Wells joined McCroskey in Michigan for a horrorcore concert, the Strictly for the Wicked Festival. According to the police, Emma's parents, Deborah Kelly and Mar- Mark Natterbrock, had taken Emma... Emma Natterbrock, Melanie Wells, and McCroskey to the concert. Prince Edward County Commonwealth's attorney, James Ennis, 
said McCroskey's anger over his failing relationship with Emma Niederbrock led to the killings. And it says McCroskey was angered by some text messages Emma sent while they were in Michigan. They returned to Virginia and McCroskey, McCroskey became increasingly distraught about the relationship and it said he had an expectation that he and Emma were seeing each other exclusively and was unhappy with how things were going. Late in the evening of September 14, 2009 or, or, or early the next morning, McCroskey attacked the three female victims in the house as they were sleeping. He killed each within a short period of time around 3 a.m. on September 15th. Mm. And it said that McCroskey first killed Wells, who was on a sofa in a floor, first floor den, then Kelly in an upstairs room, and finally Emma in her downstairs bedroom. He struck each victim multiple times with the splitting mall. No one woke in this said, adding that the victims had no defense wounds. So they had no idea. What was coming? They were just sleeping and he did that. Mark Niederbrock, the dad, arrived at the home three days later, September 17th, about 5 p.m. And McCroskey attacked him with the mall in a living room. So he literally had been sitting and waiting there for the dad to come. McCroskey later moved Mark Niederbrock's and Wells' bodies into Emma's room and he intended to clean up the bloody, bloody den the house. At some point, McCroskey used a digital camera to record a video of himself, according to Ennis. In the video, he indicated that he knew he had to pay for what he had done and contemplated suicide. A press release was issued to the public at the time of the murders. An email was sent to Longwood University students. The following Monday, the Attorney General and Farmville County Police Department held a press conference where the victims were identified. So, the victims... (laughs) Mark Niederbrock was a pastor at a Presbyterian church in Hicksburg in northern Appomattox County and the father of 16-year-old Emma. Niederbrock had been heading to Walker's Presbyterian Church. Had been, yeah, he had been heading the Presbyterian Church for the past six years. He was born in Illinois, was an Eagle Scout, and graduated of the University of Illinois. Before he entered entered the ministry, he worked as a graphic designer. Niederbrock and his wife Deborah Kelly had been divorced for about nine months, though. Dr. Deborah S. Kelly was a 53-year-old associate professor of sociology and criminal justice at Longwood University. Emma Niederbrock was Mark Niederbrock's and Deborah Kelly's 16-year-old daughter and the girlfriend of Richard McCroskey. She'd been homeschooled since middle school. McCroskey and Emma Natterbrock met about a year before the murders at a concert near San Diego. Melanie Wells was the 18-year-old daughter of Thomas G. Wells Jr. and Kathleen Wells of Inwood, West Virginia, and Emma Natterbrock's friend. Wells and her family moved to West Virginia from Louisville, Kentucky, just before Wells was in her high school. Wells dropped out and was studying for her high school equivalency diploma. She attended Muscleman High School. Wells had been staying with Nutterbrock and Emma's mother. Prior to discovering the murders, Melanie Wells' mother had called the city police asking them to check on her daughter because she hadn't heard from her. Each time Melanie Wells' mother had called the Kelly home and spoken with Richard McCroskey, McCroskey had given her a different story. So he was answering the phone. Oh my gosh. Just pretending like nothing had happened. And then when police arrived at the Kelly home, Krosky answered the door and told police Wells was at the movies with a friend. The police left, and when Melanie's, Melanie Wells' mother called police again, they went to the house and discovered the bodies. By that time, Krosky had fled, stealing and wrecking Mark Niederbrock's 2000 Honda. Unaware of the murders, a deputy issued him a summons for driving without a license but did not arrest him. So a deputy showed up on scene when he wrecked but had no idea what had right. happened. Prince Edward Sheriff's Sergeant Stuart Raybould said 
At the time, there was no reason for the deputy to be suspicious, which obviously... Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. During this time, McCroskey made a call to confess he had just killed the victims. McCroskey was apprehended at Richmond International Airport on September 18th, where police found him sleeping in the baggage claim area, <laughs> about to fly back to California. That's great. McCroskey, who had no prior criminal record... Uh, was charged with first-degree murder, robbery, and grand larceny, stealing of the car, but later was charged with six counts of capital murder. McCroskey was subsequently held in Piedmont Regional Jail on suicide watch. Police concluded the victim died from blunt force trauma. Of course, police occult expert Don Reimer brought in, was brought in because of symbols found in the music the teens listened to. <laughs> Described the murder scene as a slaughterhouse. McCroskey did not initially cooperate cooperate with police after his arrest. The police took McCroskey's computer, house phones, and more than a dozen paper bags full of evidence from his home. McCroskey was charged with six counts of capital murder per Virginia criminal law on September 20, 2010. He pleaded guilty to the four murders, although facing the death penalty, he was sentenced to life in prison. Commonwealth's attorney James Ennis says that the victims and families supported his decision to reach a plea agreement instead of going to trial and seeking a death penalty. Uh, yeah, because, you know, let's do the whole satanic panic music thing again. It's the music. Well, that's, the music. that's why I, I, I know. laugh. I hate when they do that. I'm like, no, it's not that. It has nothing um, to do with that. But, yeah, that's a pretty mind-blowing, crazy murder that I'd never heard of before. And I was like, what? Oh that was just a jealousy issue is all that was. For real. So, our Virginia cold case this week is the Colonial Parkway murders that occurred between 1986 and 1989. They are still investigating this as of 2017. They were able to, um, um, the FBI and the Virginia State Police said that they had uncovered DNA from three of the four crime scenes. So there are four crime scenes, mm -hmm. eight victims. Mm -hmm. They... When I first read about it, it was like couples, but I don't think all of, I, I don't think all of these were like romantic couples. I just mm -hmm. it just meant like couples like of people. Yeah, maybe they were. I don't know. Um, one of them was on a date, so that one was. I'm gonna talk about the victims and what happened, and then yeah, it's just we'll go from there. <laughs> it's some of it's a little graphic again. So the first set of victims were found on October twelfth, nineteen eighty six. Kathleen Thomas was 27. She was a U.S. Naval Academy graduate from 1981. And then the second victim with her was Rebecca Andowski. She was 21 and she was a senior at the College of William and Mary. The bodies were found in Kathleen's car at the Chetham. Chetham? C-H-E-A-T-H-A-M. I think it's Chetham. The bodies were found in Kathleen's car at the Chetham Annex Overlook along the Colonial Parkway. And... The autopsy showed rope burns around the necks and wrists, signs of strangulations, and their throats were slashed, which is similar to um, the case I talked about earlier of Julian Williams and Lolly Winnens that were found in the Shenandoah National Forest that had their wrists bound and their throats were slit. They had had fuel dumped on them, but like someone was trying to burn the evidence, but the fire mm -hmm. didn't start. So, and there was no evidence of sexual assault, which is also similar in the other case. So those are the first two victims that were found um, at the Colonial Parkway. And each of these happened like a year apart. Mm -hmm. So then on September 22nd, so this would have been just less than a year later in 1987, 
two victims, David Knobling, who was 20, and Robin Edwards, who was 14, were found shot to death in the Ragged Island Wildlife Refuge, which is near Smithfield, Virginia. Their bodies were found on the shore of the James River. Knobling's truck was found with the radios and the wipers on, and there was some clothing inside. And so they were shot to death, and that's really all the evidence that they know, or like general information they have about that case. April 10th, 1988, victims Cassandra Lee Haley and Richard Keith Call. So Haley was 18, Call was 20. They both went to Christopher Newport University, and they had been going on their first date and were reported missing after that. Keith's car was found, and they listed cars for the other ones, but since their bodies have never been found, I listed the type of car in case there is someone out there that's listening that knows. Keith's car was a red 1982 Toyota Celica. Celica? Yeah, Toyota Celica. Toyota Celica. I'm really good with cars, guys. So red 1982 Toyota Celica, but neither of their bodies have been found. The car was found on the York River Overlook, there's really, they don't know what happened to them and how they were killed on that one. It was less than a year after the previous one, 1987. The last case, uh, set of victims, they went missing on September 5th, 1989, but they were found October 19th, 1989. They were Anna Marie Phelps, who was 18, and Daniel Lauer, who was 21. They were found by hunters near a rest area on I-64 between Williamsburg and Richmond. They vanished on their way to Virginia Beach. Daniel's car was found like going the opposite way on the interstate, mm -hmm. like they were coming back to home. Gotcha. Um, instead of, but they had just been going to Virginia yeah. Beach, so it was weird. They found the bodies and they were decomposing, so they weren't super sure about what, how they were killed, but it looks like they might have been stabbed. I found a, a statement basically saying that like, in 2009, the, they realized that a lot of the DNA they had found at the crime scenes hadn't been tested, which is crazy that this happened in the 80s. And then, But, I mean, DNA wasn't super prevalent then, no. but the fact that, like, it was just sitting there, you know. Yeah. But, like I said before, the FBI and the Virginia State Police said that they had uncovered DNA from three of the four crime scenes. The one that they haven't uncovered DNA for, which is weird because this one they have bodies for, but I guess if they were decomposing... It's probably why is Anna Marie Phelps and Daniel Lauer. They do have DNA from the ones where their bodies are missing, mm. um, probably from the car. There is a Facebook page um, called the Colonial Parkway Murders that's run about that's run by one of the victims' brothers. Has about almost seven thousand likes. They post updates there about the cases. It seems like the families of the victims stay in touch because they know that they're, mm -hmm. or they're assuming that they're all related. But it's just so sad that, like, there's, you know, potential serial killer out there. And so if you want to stay updated on information for this um, and find out ways to help, I would suggest going to the Colonial Parkway Murders Facebook page. If you know of any information, you can definitely contact the FBI or the Virginia, Virginia State Police. And let them know. So hopefully, and in between, if you if anyone knows anything, and between the DNA, maybe there's a possibility that they're gonna find the perp soon. No, when was the last? 1989. Oh, so it's been a while. 30 years ago. Yeah. The bodies have never been found mm -hmm. for Cassandra and Richard. I mean, they're probably bones. I mean, they are bones at this point. Yeah. So yeah. Well, on that note, we need to pick me fucking up. Podcast <laughs> recommendations. Podcast. Um, we need a better. KJ's podcast recs. <laughs> so what's your your podcast rec for um, today? Mine is the one that I keep saying. Have you listened to it yet? Have you listened oh, to gosh. it yet? Um, Wine and Crime, which 
they are fantastic. It's three friends who chug one, track true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents, don't you know? So, check them out. They're awesome. Um, I really like the structure of their episodes because they literally like have a theme for each week. But they're awesome. They're they're great. Kenyon, Amanda, and oh my oh god, girls, I'm sorry. It's not like you're actually gonna hear this, but <laughs> but they're fantastic. Oh my god, I've got to get the third one's name or else I'm gonna feel like a total asshole and I know it. I'm just having a brain fart. Lucy, Kenyon, Lucy, and Amanda. There we go. Thank you. I was like, I didn't even have to look. It came back to me. Those three girls are fantastic, and I love them, and I might have a bit of a girl crush on Amanda. Just saying. And yours? The first one that I highly recommend, because also my cousin wants us to do an episode. Okay. The WVU Co-Ed Murders. Oh my god, um, yes. So the podcast is called Merit and Karen, the WVU Co-Ed Murders. So WVU is West Virginia University, for those of you who don't know, which is in Morgantown. Karen from Merritt and Karen is actually from Greenbrier County. Uh-huh. From and Hollywood. it might be interesting. I mean, I don't know if their family would want to talk to us, but this podcast really oh, talks yeah. about the case. But since we want to talk about victims, maybe doing a segment and talking about who the girls were. Because I yeah. don't really know nothing about them except for yeah. the fact that they were going to the movies and they were mm-hmm. freshmen, you know? Yeah. Okay, refresh my memory here because I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Did they ever actually convict anybody in that? They did, but then they weren't sure. It's like a whole... It's a whole mess. It's I'm going to have to re-listen to that. They never found their heads. Spoiler. That's right. That's right. They, they, the girls were, um, did not have their heads when their bodies were found. But it's by Chromatic Media. They're currently working on a new podcast mm-hmm. called Big Savage. The if new- there's any updates in the case, they'll post, I'm sure, on that, the podcast oh, yeah. like stream. Yeah. But it, they have finished their story of it. I highly recommend it. For anything, for the music that is on that oh part. My, oh my God. They do local so, everything. And it's so hauntingly beautiful. It's amazing. Like the music for that podcast is, oh God, I love it. It gives me chills just thinking about yeah. that, the theme song for it. It's, yeah, it's really good. And then the other one I want to recommend because I'm just having an issue and obsessed with it um, (laughs) is also a West Virginia one. It is Mile Marker 181. It, again, focuses on one case. The murder, well, I guess it's not officially the murder, but uh, Jalea Davis was found dead on the interstate. Mm -hmm. And it's a really horrible thing what happened to her. Emily Nestor is the uh, woman who does the podcast. She... I think she's super awesome. Oh, God. She does a lot of the research and, like, digs into files. And, you know, Julia's mom gave Emily a lot of the Mm -hmm. case files. And she's done a lot of research on it. And if you want to listen to a super sleuth at work, Emily is that. Because, I mean, the work she's done on this is amazing. Yes. If you also want to be super frustrated by our justice system. Oh, my God. This is the podcast for you. (laughs) Um, She she does kind of really sporadically because Mm -hmm. it's an act. She's actively investigating it Mm -hmm. as well as doing other investigations and doing things for oxygen. (laughs) She's got like some big stuff in the works. Yeah, amazing. Highly suggest that. Oh yeah. Spoiler alert, we're recording two episodes. Um, <laughs> this is number two. We're tired. <laughs> we we asked last episode, mm-hmm. we want to start talking about Appalachian stereotypes, and we want you guys to send us the ones you either hear or know about or frustrated with or whatever. We want to talk about it. Do you just want to go ahead and talk about one, or do you just want to wait? Yeah, let's do it. 
Shoot one at me. See if see if old firecracker here can. Maybe uh, I should Google and see what comes up when I say. Ooh, ooh, can we do this like the um, uh, name generator game? Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. Results. So in case in case I haven't said before, which I think I have, but so I am um, obsessed with West Virginia mm-hmm. <laughs> as a whole. I studied history in college and. The history of West Virginia. Well, my focuses were on like West Virginia history and Appalachian history. I'm kind of obsessed with West Virginia. Kind of hate the stereotypes, so this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Here's an article from the Culture Trip. Okay. We can just briefly go through it. Um, eight stereotypes every West Virginian hates. Oh, Jesus. Can I do it? Yep. First one. Okay. Everyone's a hillbilly. Technically, yes. Yeah. Because hillbilly comes from an old Irish term. It was the people that lived among the hills in Ireland, and whenever those people immigrated to the U.S. and settled in West Virginia, they kind of kept the moniker on. So technically, yes, everybody is a hillbilly, it but not turned in into a, a mean negative sense. connotation to hurt people. And yes, yeah. Side note to that, also the term redneck. Do you know where it comes from? Oh, I do. It has to. Here's well, your, here's I've, heard, your history. I've heard two different versions of this. So okay. what? what is... So here's your history lesson of the day. So redneck term comes from back in the 1920s when the miners were striking um, to signify that they were for the UMWA and for union and that they were joining together. They wear a red bandana around their necks. And that's where the term redneck came from. I've heard that, and then I've also heard something about, like, basically, like, farm workers and, like, getting sunburnt and, like, rednecks. I've heard yeah, that one, some, too. That, too, but it's mainly from the actual yeah, no. unionization term is what it's from. Hence why when the teacher strike went on strike. Woo, we support West Virginia teachers. Woo, That's why they all wore red bandanas. A lot of them did around their necks to show yeah. solidarity. Okay, anyway, sorry. Now I love <laughs> History it. lesson for the day. Cousins get married. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> listen, y'all. Let's have a little chit chat. Fuck that stereotype, okay? It's that's my. Ch- Here's some, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> I don't even want to really touch that stereotype with no, here, right now. Here, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Whenever people say, and I'm not dogging on Kentucky, okay? I love my Kentucky people. I lived there for three years. I love. I love Kentucky. But when people say, oh, there's so much incest in West Virginia. Actually, statistically, the incest rate in Kentucky is higher than West Virginia. So lay the fuck off. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it is not that bad. Dear God. Yes, that's not to say it hasn't happened. But well, when was... people say that all the time, I'm just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I was, I was saying. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> I was saying earlier that, uh, you know, some of the people that I grew up around were, I don't know what the proper term is, but were products of incest I mean, relationships yeah. and, or maybe not relationships, whatever, you know, but, um, yeah. circumstances, circumstances, there, there we go. go. You know, shit happens everywhere. I think, mm-hmm. you know, we don't talk, a lot of stuff happens in other states too. It's not just like West Virginia and Appalachia. I no. think it gets a bad rap because it's always gotten a bad rap and it's unfortunate, but. And if we want to get really nitpicky, there's a lot of these highfalutin families up north and stuff that mm. are big products of incest or they stay within the same Royalty. families. Royalty. Royalty. Oh are my huge God. Incest people. Yeah. King, so lay off King Appalachia. Tut was a product of incest. And that that's would explain why he, why he was, was all... dead at 16. Yeah. <laughs> 
Ooh, this girl. one. Oh, girl. girl makes me so mad. And oh, I know no. not everyone knows this show. It's like Buck Wild. Oh, God. Do you know that? Yes. So, Buck Wild was a show on MTV that was mm-hmm. like, what, 2011, 2012, 2013? It lasted one season, is all I know. <laughs> yeah. And, well, because Shane Grandy, I think Gandy, it's like Gandy. Yeah. Yeah, Shane Gandy, he died, but it was, like, following a bunch of young adults from West Virginia. And, of course, here's the thing, is, like, of course, every reality show is exaggerated and scripted to some extent. What frustrated me is, like, some of the activities those kids did were activities, but that people... I grew, or that I don't can't think of anything specific they've done that I've done, but you know, mm-hmm. like, and they were just everyone was making fun of it, and it really frustrated me to be like, kind of like Appalachian Outlaws, and my thoughts on that show. Oh my god! So it's not like Buck Wild or Appalachian Outlaws. No, no. West Virginia is part of Virginia. No. Let's, okay, let let can I address this one because yeah, <laughs> I have two actually. My favorite thing. So there was a girl that I'm friends with on Facebook, and she had moved to California. And when you get a new license in a different state, and I mean this is every state, maybe it's just California. You have to list like where your previous license was. Uh-huh. So she listed West Virginia. She moved from West Virginia to California. The people at the DMV were like, "You mean Virginia, right?" And she's like, "No, no West Virginia." And they had to Google to see that West Virginia was real because they didn't believe They her. should like, not be allowed to work for the state. No! I'm like, what is wrong with you? Also, what's the 50th state if West Virginia is not the state? Thank you. Yeah, anyway. And then also, I just want to say this. I mean, Virginia, you're fine, whatever. But um, <laughs> You're okay, I guess. <laughs> we were traveling back from the beach one time. We stopped in Virginia at this gas station that was like half a gas station, half Burger King. Mm-hmm. And there was a sign... And it had a map of Virginia in it, and then it said Virginia, the better Virginia. And I was like, The fuck y'all Anyway, West Virginia seceded from Virginia in 1863. <laughs> it's complicated. I don't want to get oh, into gosh, it right yeah, now because. But we are a separate Jesus state. God. But we are a separate motherfucking state since 1863. Thank you very much. Yes. That was very angry sounding. There's no arts or culture scene in the state. Are you fucking kidding me? Y'all heard of Tamarack? I totally understand why people think that that's a thing mm-hmm. when, like, I grew up in an area where mm-hmm. that was... Sports were important. Nothing else was. Oh, girl. It would be great if there was, like, an even distribution of resources among activities. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's great that there is a football team that kids are a part of. Yes, yes. Be. Don't get me wrong. That no, is. no, yeah. And, yeah. But I, I also think, like, it'd be great if they gave money to the band and the theater mm-hmm. department and art classes Anyway, that was the last of those stereotypes. But you send Thank us. Jesus. We can even vent, uh, talk more on one of these specific ones if that's something that you want to hear people talk about. I don't know. I think it's important to dispel the stereotypes or at least talk about them and mm-hmm. acknowledge that they exist. But yeah, anything else for this week? I don't think so. Make sure to follow us on social media and it'll be listed after we say bye. Um, and. <laughs> and uh, Send us things and subscribe. Yum. Okay, well. And HelloFresh, sponsor me, please. <laughs> Listen, HelloFresh, I would like to be sponsored. We just want the food. Just send me food, please and thank you. Yeah. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Appalachian Crime Trail podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe and download new episodes. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Our email is AppalachianCrimeTrail at gmail.com. Thank you.